You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Not joined by Frank Madden today, but I am joined by Matt Velasquez, Bucks beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Matt, we haven't caught up for a while. I, I think, I was just trying to think, I, I think we spoke when you are in Houston last time, the day before the season opener. Now you're in Detroit. Quarter of an NBA season has gone on since then. How are you doing? Yeah, I've made it. I've made it this far. <laughs> you do, you do, uh, you're doing well. It's been a long time. A lot of things have happened uh, between Houston and now. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm making it through. I'm enjoying this, this very home-heavy stretch of the schedule. Uh, you know, had a nice holiday with the, with the family, being home for Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, ready uh, to talk about some bucks with you. So 18 and 3. And I, I've been sort of keeping a, keeping track of, of where this start ranks and then the winning streak, obviously, as, as everyone has. But I saw this morning that, uh, I think it was ESPN that tweeted out, 18-3 and three is the best start since 1971. And we know what happened in 1971. The Bucks won a championship. So when we were talking before that Houston game, uh, in terms of the, the tough schedule, you, you mentioned now they're in a nice stretch at home but how much road games they had to start the season some of the uh, opponents they had is there any possible way that you could have imagined that the season in terms of record in terms of what Giannis is doing starting any better than this no I don't think so I think if you told me back then the Bucks would be 18 and 3 and Giannis would be putting up better numbers than he did last year um, I would be very uh, intrigued as to how that would happen uh, yeah, that's that's very impressive. Uh, just the way that you know, as you mentioned, you know, having ten of fourteen or on the road, and having you know multiple long road stretches, playing some some difficult teams or at least perceived difficult teams. Um, obviously, they they ran into a bunch of situations where um, opposing teams didn't have their best player, Carl Anthony Towns, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard. Um, you know, things that we couldn't have, have necessarily foreseen before the season started. Uh, but it's overall just been really impressive. Uh, the, one of the things that I might've said it to you on, on this podcast, I might've said it on my podcast, might've said it on the radio somewhere. I don't know where I said it, but I feel like I've said it. I feel like I've said it multiple times. You know, the Bucks, at least going into the season, I didn't think the Bucks had October or November problems. It, we know who the Bucks are. Like the Bucks are who we thought they were. Um, and other teams in the East, they had questions that they needed to answer uh, in in the early months of the season, early weeks of the season, and, and they've all, all answered them in various ways. Uh, but the Bucks are are who we thought they were, and they're doing what we generally expect them to do. They're playing the style we expected. Um, you know, they're fitting the pieces around Giannis uh, the way we expected. Giannis is, you know, he's doing things we expected, and even better, uh, you know, more efficiently uh, than maybe we expected. 
Um, but this is a team that was was primed and ready to go. And so, you know, it is somewhat surprising the way they have started out the season in the sense that, like, we just haven't seen something like this in a long time in Milwaukee. But at the same time, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously, because they're doing it. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. After the, the game yesterday, I did have a, a Bucks fan tweet at me and ask about the how many games they're going to win this season. And I think right now, obviously the ridiculous pace they're on is, is I think it's 69 games, 70 game pace at the moment, which is just absolutely absurd. But when we think back to being at exit interview day last year, after, after they lost to the Raptors and all the talk was, yeah, we've learned lessons. What does regular season mean? And I don't think that, I mean, obviously Giannis is playing at, at an all world level, but again, Similar to how I felt last year in the regular season, it doesn't, to me, feel like anyone is overexerting themselves out there. You look at the minutes they're playing, Giannis' minutes have gone down. Obviously, that helps when he plays 40 minutes over two games uh, over the, these last two games here. But, uh, I mean, what, are the, what, what expectations should we have for how many t- games this, this Bucks team is going to win? Because I, I think we've seen, simply by virtue of having Giannis and the incredible depth they have, they're just going to pile up wins, even if... Uh, they aren't going as hard as what a, uh, you know, the team that they're going to be compared to if they keep winning at this pace, the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. You know, I, I think that thinking of the of the Bucks somewhere in the in the kind of vicinity of that 73-win Warriors team might be a little bit of a stretch at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, as I mentioned, even though they were on the road a lot and they had a kind of a difficult schedule there, uh, they still were able to miss... Uh, some of the teams, other teams, you know, better players. Uh, they're in a stretch right now where they are just feasting on cupcakes. They're kind of like in a similar stretch to where the Lakers were, where they got to a seven, 17 and three start. And everyone's just talking about how their schedule was nothing. You know, the Bucks played better than that in terms of their opponents. Um, but right now, I mean, you look at the past few games and it, it hasn't been, you know, anything all that impressive. Uh, I mean, look at beating the Hawks, beating the Hornets, beating the Cavs, beating the Knicks. It's like, yeah, well, that's, that makes sense. Like they should do that and they should do it handily. And they did. Um, but you know, going forward, they're going to have, have more tests. I mean, not necessarily a ton of them in December. I think December, uh, according to Tankathon or, or five thirty eight, one of those sites, they ranked, uh, the Bucks strength of schedule as the easiest in, in December. Actually, it might've been NBA.com. A shout out to John Schumann. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it was him who, uh, who put it all together that uh, the Bucks, you know, based on their rest advantage days, rest disadvantage days, their opposing strength of schedule. Like they have 10 out of 15 games in December that are against kind of dreck and, and they should beat those teams. And then five games, you know, against the, the teams you want to see, you know, they have the Clippers, uh, they have the, the Mavs and the Lakers and the, and the Sixers and the Pacers. I think those might be the only five, that are games that you know are really uh, against teams that are are capable. I want to say capable of beating them. I guess any team is capable of beating them, but like realistically, those are the five. Um, so I, I think that they will be challenged more over the course of the season. They're going to have you know other trips. They're going to play more games against some of these tougher Western Conference teams and the top of the East. Uh, if you look at their their schedule late in the season, I mean they have a, a road trip in in April. Um, that is Toronto, Boston, Philly in some order. Yeah. Um, that that's a tough trip, and you know who knows? Like that could have playoff implications in terms of seating. It may not, and then it wouldn't matter, you know. And if if by early April seating isn't you know important anymore to the Bucks, that probably means they have the one seed, you know, 
securely wrapped up, in which case, you know, maybe that affects how many wins they get because they rest guys. So, you know, I, I think that they are, they're very focused on playing the way they want to play, making sure the minutes are spread around, uh, not, you know, overexerting guys uh, unnecessarily. Like, you know, when there's games that are close and they're playing good teams, uh, yeah, guys are going to play more. Like, that, that's going to happen. You know, Giannis did that against the Jazz, and he was incredible. Uh, but, you know, overall, you know, Bud is going to stick to his system, stick to his, his 10, 11-man rotation that he's been using, and, and they're going to kind of take things as they come. And, and hopefully for them, you know, they want to win a lot more games than they lose, uh, and, but they're going to do it by being themselves. Yeah, so I think that's kind of where I sit on all this. I think, first of all, it's it's still far too early to be looking at, at that type of thing anyway. I don't think that would be a focus of the of this Bucks team. And also, I think the important thing that you point to is that it's going to be driven on potential seeding and when how much competition there is for the top. And if by some chance that the Bucks really streak away with the, the lead at the top, then I think you put yourself in an even uh, better position to, to rest some guys or whatever you want to do. But... I guess with that in mind, because I, I think that with this Bucks team, we did sort of know what we were going to be seeing. Um, a lot of the same pieces came back. And so I, I think that this is kind of a tough question to ask. But if there was to be one uh, surprise, or what would be the biggest surprise that you've seen from this Bucks team, if, if you have one to this point? You know, I think the biggest surprise right now, if I had to pick one, would be just how poorly Brooke Lopez is shooting. Uh, he's pl- he's playing really well on defense, uh, and he's putting up, you know, generally the same shots, you know, from the same spots and the same, you know, similar volume as last year. Um, but twenty nine percent, like that's that's just kind of you know staggering. I mean, I I've just got so used to him last year uh, being so consistent. Obviously, he did have that zero for twelve game um, that that kind of you know marred. Uh, his his numbers at one point, but you know he bounced right back the next game. They drew up the first play for him. He shot a three. He made it. You know he kind of move on. Uh, and I know that slumps happen with shooters, and that that's a normal thing. Uh, but still, like you know, he's played 19 games, and, and the fact that you know he's he's at 29 percent, uh, and literally is the the worst three point shooter on the team in terms of percentage. Uh, that's that's pretty surprising to me. I, I I didn't see that coming. Uh, I wasn't expecting that he would start off the season like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he has been valuable. He has been great as a rim protector. His blocks uh, and his challenges of shots ha- have gotten even better. So it's not to say that Brooke Lopez hasn't been disappointing, um, but I would say I'm surprised by the way he's shooting the ball right now. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, that that's one of the things that stands out out of the guys that were here last year. Um, I, I think that through necessity, I, I guess, if you if you want to call it that, with, with Chris Middleton going out, um, I'm not sure it's been a surprise, but it's been a, a pleasant uh, viewing experience, I guess, to see someone like Dante come in and start and, and play well. Um, but yeah, I think that the three-point shooting in general from a lot of the guys that they came out of the season uh, shooting the ball, not great compared to what they've done in the past. And then, and then you see someone like Wes Matthews in particular uh, come in and shoot the lights out. And, and just on Wes, it's interesting. I mean, we hear a lot about his leadership coming out. Zora is always talking about Wes on the, on the broadcast uh, during timeouts and that sort of stuff. What have you seen from a guy like him? Because I, I think that one of the misconceptions about this Bucks team from 
people outside of Milwaukee is that, oh, well, you know, they're still kind of a, a younger team. But this is this is a really veteran-heavy team now that the Bucks have. And, and to bring in a guy like uh, Wes, you might think that, oh, the Bucks don't really need that much more leadership. They've got a bunch of, of guys that have been around for a long time. But he seems like someone that's that stood out. Yeah, I mean, outside of, you know, Thanasis Adenokounmpo, who, you know, he has been in the NBA before. Like, you know, and I guess Dante DiVincenzo because he missed a lot of his rookie year. Everybody else on this team has at least, like, two years of NBA experience, if not more. I mean, they have, you know, seven guys in their 30s. Like, you can't say this is a young team or they're, like, yeah. learning anything. Like, like, this is a veteran squad. Like, they have shifted, like, almost, like, overnight. Like, you know, I, I remember it was my first year covering the team full-time, you know, just two years ago, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of the Jason Kidd slash Joe Prunty era. And, like, they were still referred to as, like, a young upstart team. Yeah. And, and, and for sure, you know, there was, you know, definitely some, maybe some more youth uh, on that team at that time. Um, but, you know, Giannis was, was, you know, 22, 23 then. Um, so he was still looked at as being a younger guy. Now he's he's twenty five. Is he still you know? okay? Is so so we are we still counting Giannis as a young player? I mean, we technically have to, right? <laughs> I mean, you you can, but in terms of his, I mean, when you've been in the league for six yeah. seven years, like that's that's not really like you're not young. Like maybe you are young as like people go, but like you are a like grizzled NBA veteran at that point. You've seen some things, like you've seen some things. So, you know, this this team is experienced. Like they. They know who they are, who they want to be, how they want to play. Like, you know, that's that's kind of how they are. I forget how we even got into this discussion, but they're they're definitely not young. And, you know, you you look at, you know, Kyle Corver, George Hill, you know, Wes Matthews, like those guys are relatively new to the team. Obviously George got here uh, about a year ago. Uh, but those guys have immediately jumped in and like they, you know, as you said mentioned Zora likes to talk about, like they they have a kind of exercise their leadership. They are heard. It's it's a it's a locker room where guys aren't afraid to speak up, um, where they don't feel like they had to have been there for a certain amount of time to have their opinions be valid. Uh, Corver is very respected uh, from the minute he walks in the door. Um, so it, it's been impressive. I just want to give you guys a reminder that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. To do that, just visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. And as always, if you're listening on the go and can't get to audible.com right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Yeah, so that's interesting that you bring up George Hill and the fact that he came into the team uh, a while ago now. But one of the things that I thought I noticed last season from being around the team was that George Hill had that sort of period where it seemed like, from what we could see in the locker room, sort of pre-game, post-game, where he was a little bit quiet to start. And it was like, okay, well, I've just come into this team. I'll feel my way into the personality, see what's going on in this locker room. And then by the end of the season... He was he was talking as much as anyone. He was giving the Giannis shit. He was giving everyone shit, and just been and being clearly one of the more popular players in, on the roster. So, with Wes, it seems to me uh, that he has just stepped stepped right in and and feels comfortable. Obviously, he he knows the, the city really well. But uh, again, it looks like the the personalities that the Bucks have added with Robin Lopez again. I mean, they just keep hitting with with good locker room guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Wes, he took a little while uh, to kind of get acclimated, you know, kind of feel out the room. You know, he, he joked on media day that he, he didn't want to mess things up, uh, especially when it came to their, their really good defense uh, from last year. He wanted to be able to, to jump in and, and help and, and not mess it up. Um, but, you know, he, he has gone through that adjustment period. And, you know, part of that is in the locker room and part of that is on the court. Uh, you know, and the the part that everyone else everyone sees is on the court, where I think that he at the start of the year was was still trying to figure out where his shots were going to come from, and and how the offensive flow and the randomness uh, that that Bud likes to have them play with, um, how that was going to suit him, and where he was going to be able to to be most efficient and be used the best. And I think he's starting to find that he's starting to you know have a few more plays. Um, that he, he can go to or that are run for him, where he can curl around and get some catch-and-shoot threes from comfortable positions. Um, and, and overall, he's been pretty solid on defense. And that's all that they've been asking of him is, hey, can you just be really solid on defense and you know be somebody who can make catch-and-shoot threes at a pretty high rate? And every so often, you'll keep defenses honest and drive and, and finish and, and cut and, and, and do all those types of things. Um, but I think that you know, from that perspective, he's definitely adjusting pretty well and, and has, has kind of gone through that adjustment period. And, and in the locker room, you know, he's somebody who doesn't shy away from, from talking to his teammates or talking to the media. He, you know, you, you'll appreciate this, Kane. You know, he, he gets dressed pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> so, so when you get dressed quick, like, it's like, hey, you want to talk to, uh, talk to us? Yeah, sure we do. Yeah. So that, uh, that, that's pretty nice. And, you know, his, he's not afraid to let his voice be heard. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the, the guys that no one can be any slower than Giannis, sir. Just so people are aware of how much time that guy takes to ice his knees, ice his ankles, play on his phone, play with babies, like do whatever the hell else he does in the locker room. He is just incredibly slow. So that that is good. That's uh, that's an extra tick in the, in the box for West Matthews. But uh, I guess when we talk about these guys coming in, and the one thing I would say is when we when we talk about the Bucks eighteen and three record, I. I I do feel like there's been some times where you're like, well, I do kind of wish that Giannis didn't have to go. As fun as it is to watch him play at, at this level, sometimes you're like, ah, I wish he didn't have to completely carry the team on his back through stretches of games to beat some of these uh, lower-ranked teams. But when you look at the additions they've made, is there any clear holes on this roster that you see at, at this point through through quarterway in the season? You know, I don't think there's any clear holes. I don't think there's anybody or any position where you're like, oh my gosh, if they don't get better there, like they're going to be in big trouble. Um, but I do think that something that I would expect that they would give thought to would be, you know, maybe trading in some of that depth uh, for, you know, a, a single person who, you know, can kind of elevate above the talent level of certain guys. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, you have a ton of guys in the wing uh, who are all like high quality players, you know? So obviously, you know, uh, I don't think George Hill's going anywhere. I don't think Chris Milton's going anywhere. I don't, I don't think that, you know, maybe Dante DiVincenzo, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, but, you know, at least Middleton and Hill, I think are pretty solid as to where they stand, but do the Bucks want to try and figure out, okay, like we have, you know, Dante West, Sterling, Pat, like, all those guys are very good and have contributed a bunch and are really important uh, players on this team. But if they could find somebody who maybe takes 
some of like what a few of them do and turns it into like a single person uh, and you have a little bit more upfront uh, quality. Like, you know, I don't necessarily know who that person is per se, uh, but like that's maybe what I would think about in the sense that like you're not going to play so many guys in the playoffs. I know Bud last year was pretty liberal in his use of the bench uh, in the playoffs uh, for better and worse. Uh, But, you know, Giannis is going to play more uh, in the playoffs than he is right now in in tight, close games. I mean, Chris Middleton is going to play more. Eric Bledsoe is going to play more. Brooke Lopez, George. Those guys are all going to play a pretty decent amount uh, more than what they're doing now. And so if you could find somebody who is a starter quality player who can maybe elevate above where they currently are, uh, that would that could be something. And like I said, I don't know exactly who that person is. Uh, I, I know I've been, you know, kind of not actively thinking about it. It's something that's kind of crossed my mind a couple times, but it's like, hmm, like, you know, if J.J. Reddick somehow becomes available, uh-huh. like, you know, he's on a pretty, pretty reasonable contract. I think it's two years, 26, something like that. Like, if you can find a way to get him from, from New Orleans, like, that's like a starter-level player who fits the needs of what the Bucks do. Like he's not, I don't think he'd be as good on defense as Wes, uh, but he's also, you know, a veteran who knows, you know, what spots to be in and what to do. And he would have plenty of good defenders around and behind him to help kind of make up for wherever he's at on that end. But on offense, like you're not going to find too many guys who are better than him in terms of not needing the ball in his hands very often, being able to create shots, being able to command respective defenses. Like, that could be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. And now that could be a pipe dream. Like that might not be at all possible. Uh, it might not be something that Milwaukee fans like to think of because JJ Redick, when he came last time, was it was not a great situation, <laughs> you know. But you know, that's just kind of like a off the top of my head. Like, hey, who fits the Bucks? Well, a guy who can create his own shot, can shoot a three from literally anywhere at any time, um, and is really good. Like, okay, like that's somebody who could make sense. Like, and I don't know if the Bucks would necessarily want or need or, you know, have the assets to get a, a person like that. But like, that's the kind of trade that I'm thinking of somebody who, you know, would be able to be a step up over the current players that they have uh, at a position. And you might have to give up a couple of those guys, you know, trade in some of that depth to get that player um, but it is a move that is signaling, okay, like we are trying to go and like really do this thing right now. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense to you? I, I think it's, yeah. it's somewhat reasonable, but it's still, it, it's, I don't want this to become like a, you know, Matt Velasquez thinks the Bucks should trade for JJ Redick. I just think that's the kind of person uh, that could theoretically uh, help this team. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. And, I, and I'm interested, you know, obviously December 15th, a lot more guys can, become available uh, for trades. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're getting pretty close to a time when I feel like the market really opens up. Yeah. December 15 is, is a pretty uh, important date for that. And I, I don't, yeah, I mean, Reddick's an interesting one to talk about with, with the Bucks, And I know you're not specifically saying him. It was just a name that you threw out there, but yeah, I mean, there obviously is some, some history there, but clearly I will say that uh, the Bucks franchise is in a completely different spot to where it was uh, last time when, when Reddick came in. But yeah, I mean, he, he is on uh, yeah two years, 26. So he's, he's getting paid 13.4 this year, then 13 next year. And I, I do just have in the back of my mind, and it's not, specifically names or players but 
I, I think about last year with Miritich and, and Horst and the Bucks are in a, a position where they're not they're not thinking about the regular season. I mean, they're going to win all these games, but uh, for them, it's about winning the title and, and what that means for Giannis and, 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 and just the whole franchise. So, uh, yeah, I, I would not rule out another home run attempt uh, getting closer to the deadline. I do also think that uh, while Horst has made some, some early moves, in the past, I think that the roster is in a better position this year where there's, there's probably no need for that early move. And you probably want to see how some of these guys uh, continue to play and continue to fit with the roster. And then do you want to do something with Ursan? Well, maybe, but is DJ Wilson a reliable player there at, at the four? Can Sterling Brown continue to play more minutes at the four? I, I think there's a lot of questions there that we'll see play out over the next couple of months. Now that I just did mention Sterling, I guess it is a good time to, to talk about the injuries a little bit. And the latest injury update I see is that Brook Lopez is probable for tomorrow against Detroit and Sterling Brown uh, is still questionable. Now, Bud, um, maybe you want to give the update, Matt, but I know Bud uh, spoke about those injuries a little bit. But uh, what, what other insight do you have in terms of Lopez and Sterling and, and just the overall health of, of the group at the moment? Yeah, I think Brooke is what we expected. Bud said that, you know, he would travel and the expectation was he'd probably be available for today. So probably makes sense. Uh, well, today meaning Wednesday. Um, and then Sterling, I think questionable is an upgrade for him, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was um, and, and so, you know, Bud said that he was progressing faster than they originally expected. And, you know, they'd have to see how he was doing, you know, after their, their session on Tuesday and how things went maybe a shoot around on Wednesday. You know, potentially he could play as soon as Wednesday or Friday. You know, but Bud said it might be next week. Um, but in general, the the progression has been good, and so this team is is getting close to healthy. I mean, they're not they're not there yet. I mean, I feel like most teams, you know, aren't healthy at this point. They have a a few bumps and bruises, a few guys nicked up. But uh, right now, you know, the Bucks have been able to, you know, get some rest by playing the Hornets and the Knicks, and spread the minutes around and. You know, they're going to be on their second rest advantage game of the month, just on like day four of the month, uh, you know, because the Knicks came in the other day uh, coming off a of back-to-back when the Bucks weren't. And now the Pistons are coming in off a of back-to-back uh, while the Bucks are not. So that, that should uh, theoretically bode well for them. Uh, but, you know, getting healthy is, gen- is always, uh, you know, of paramount importance. Yes, as we record right now, it's in the fourth quarter between the Pistons and the Cavs. The Pistons are up by 30 on Cleveland. But Blake Griffin is playing, so this was something I flagged in yesterday's podcast that when we talk about guys that may miss a game, that's one to watch. I I don't believe Blake Griffin's played a back-to-back yet this season. He's still clearly struggling with that sort of knee slash hamstring slash whatever else is going on with his uh, lower body there. But yeah, that, that'll be one to watch. But just with, with Brooke in particular, because I, I think this does, again, relate back to Giannis. We, we've spoke a lot in this podcast and sort of theorized, okay, well, when is Giannis going to get a break? But I think it's been affected by, uh, you know, first, obviously, Chris Middleton being out. We, it's, you don't think that you want to be having both those guys out of the lineup too often. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, through the the Bud sort of era with the Bucks, but this Brook Lopez thing, because you know, I know Bud pregame mentioned uh, pregame against the Knicks mentioned that this was something that was bothering him last season as well. Uh, I mentioned with Frank yesterday that uh, I it was noticeable that Brook had that back brace or heat pack, whatever it is, 
uh, on the bench towards the end of last season when it was clearly starting to bother him and now it's carried on through. So is there any, have you spoke to Brooke at all? Is there any update with, with how, what this is and, and whether this is going to be a concern moving forward? It seems like something he's going to carry. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to him about it. You know, usually when guys are injured, they don't have to talk. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always a little bit difficult there. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, if he is going to be, be back to playing and they have shoot around tomorrow, be able to, to catch up with him and see how it's going. Uh, obviously, with, when someone's dealing with a back injury, that's something that you, know, you need to pay attention to. Uh, and the Bucks have been pretty proactive in, in dealing with that, you know, with, with George Hill, who has sat out a couple of games with back soreness and, and now Brooke. Uh, they obviously were, you know, both of them have been wearing those uh, kind of like back brace, heating pad, whatever those things are on the bench. I know the Bucks bench is, is heated yeah. uh, to, to whatever uh, optimal temperature for muscle uh, relaxation or whatever uh, their, uh, their pr- proprietary technology is. Uh, but uh, I think that Brooke, in general, I think they're just being precautious with him, uh, making sure that they're not overtaxing him because right now um they're doing fine <laughs> it doesn't really matter yeah. you know who they put out there uh in pretty much any game and, and you mentioned Giannis resting i mean i don't know these last two games i feel like they constitute rest uh just the way That's that true. he didn't he didn't have to do all that much um it's kind of like going through a practice or something or maybe even less than that <laughs> uh, but he uh you know he last year uh he rested or he was out I think like the eighth game of the season or seventh game of the season uh, because of a concussion. And then he was out the 26th game of the season uh, because of a sore neck, which at the time I know we, we joked and like, Oh man, that's, that's rest. That's load management. That's nothing. But then I heard later in the season from somebody who kind of brought it up out of nowhere, who was like, Oh yeah, he couldn't turn his head that day. It's like, Oh, well that's, that's kind of an important thing if you're going to play basketball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so that that may or may they, that may not have been a rest day. That might have been a Giannis can't move his neck day. Um, and then the next time he got a break, I think it was game forty-one, a uh, road game at Washington, where he was coming off a pretty pretty brutal stretch where they had played uh, Toronto and Houston, and he was getting knocked to the ground a whole bunch. Fell pretty hard on his hip. I think it was in Houston. Um, and and so he was dealing with some knee pain and some hip pain and the Bucks were like, yeah, you got to sit. So is that rest or is that he's not at a hundred percent? He's hurt. Like we need to, to sit him down to deal with that injury. So like, I don't think, you know, I think all three of those, like you can qualify those as actual injuries. So they didn't actually rest him until much later in the season. And I don't think that he's trying to sit out. I don't think that they're trying to necessarily sit him, uh, you know, more than they need to or extraneously. I think they're trying to manage him uh, and, and they've been doing that pretty well so far. I mean, 32 minutes a game is, you know, for a player of Giannis' caliber is pretty uh, not, you know, unusual. Usually guys play a lot more than that. Uh, and so, you know, I think they've done a good job of, of, of managing him and making sure that he's not uh, going too hard or too often. Uh, but there will be rest days at some point. Um, maybe in a future back-to-back, maybe in a, a, a more difficult stretch schedule-wise, or if he starts taking a little bit more of a physical beating uh, like he did that fall in Houston last year. Uh, so we'll have to see. But right now, I don't think that it's a, a huge need to get him off the court. Um, 
you know, sure as fans, you know, I'm sure people would like to see him sometimes sit down in games that they expect the Bucks can win without him. Um, but I, I have to imagine it'd be very hard to tell Giannis not to play because he is that level of competitor. Yeah, last time I checked, this was uh, before the Knicks game, so it's probably gone down even further. I, he was ranked 46th in the league for minutes per game. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you would you would like a few more uh, games where he plays 19, 20 minutes. That's going to, as you said, that's essentially a rest. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly not overexerting himself uh, to this point. It's just, uh, it is interesting to see when you see some of some of the other players. But as you mentioned, Giannis, uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to fight him as much as he says that he's he's more understanding now. When Bud wants to give him a rest, uh, I don't really believe that he's going to be he's going to be fighting to play every game. But uh, I just wanted to finish on a fun one here because I this came up the other day when someone mentioned to me something about Tony Snell. I don't think it was Snell season, but I did tell Snell season that anytime I mention Tony Snell, I will mention uh, his, his Twitter, Twitter handle. But we know from practice last year, Tony Snell was en- as entertaining as anyone uh, in those three point shootouts. I'm just wondering if there is any practice shenanigans going on this year or, or what's happening in this, in this end of practice uh, session that the media gets to check out. You know, it's a lot quieter this year. You know, part of it, part of it is that they just haven't had practices. Yeah, uh, it just you know, there's been a lot fewer practice days uh, with all the travel. Um, you know, you know how it is on the road where they're not kind of messing around on the court as much after practice. They're usually just trying to to wrap it up. Uh, Bud's yelling first omelet, and they're getting out of there. Um, but there was there there was a moment uh, at at practice the other day. Uh, where Brooke was shooting, I think Brooke and you know and Pat shoot together after practice, and they're shooting threes. And Bud just walks out of his office, stands, and Brooke's in the corner, and, and Bud stands behind him and just hugs him and holds him from behind, from behind. And, and and Brooke meanwhile continues to shoot while Bud is like <laughs> hugging him from behind. Um, so I wasn't expecting that. That was fun. That's good. Uh, but the 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 three point competitions and all that activity uh, has been a lot less. I feel like it's been dropping off year after year. I remember when my Jason Kidd was the coach, like he would shoot, you know, have the around the world three point game with a bunch of guys and they were certainly playing for money. Uh, and it was kind of a regular thing, but the problem was then we couldn't talk to Jason or any of the players who were involved until the game was over. And that game didn't have <laughs> a clear end point because it relied on people making, you know, four shots from a corner, then two shots, then two two shots like you're moving around the, the arc and then you have to make four shot, straight shots in the opposite corner and then make your way back so you're just taking turns and guys are talking smack and having fun and like yeah that's nice but it's like hey i'd, I'd like to talk to you guys and go home uh, but that's fine you know i'm not gonna complain uh as i often like to say media starts with me but uh no one else cares about that so yeah <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's been very different uh, this year, you know, you know, last year, as you mentioned, like, you know, they, they played games after practice, you know, three point competitions, you know, Tony Snell was yelling out like three piece McNuggets. Uh, it was, it was kind of a, a light fun thing. And, you know, the Bucks still have kind of their, their light fun vibe, uh, that they, they had last year. They've carried that over. They, that's definitely part of who they are, part of their culture. I wrote about that a little bit in the, in the journal Sentinel for Wednesday's paper, a little plug. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, but this year, just there hasn't been a ton of practice. There hasn't been a, a ton of shooting competitions, 
And, uh, you know, they still have their, their team free throw competition every month. I believe George Hill was the first winner of that. Um, but, yeah, very different vibe. Uh, and Bud is giving hugs from behind, and it's, it's fun. Well, it's good to see. It's good to see Buddy. He was a little bit angry yesterday, even though they were up by uh, nearly 50 points against the Knicks. So it's good to see that, you know, he's still dishing out the hugs at practice. But I think, I think we'll probably, probably leave it there. The, the Bucks do, well, by the time everyone listens to this, it's probably going to be today. The Bucks will take on the Pistons. As I, as I mentioned, uh, Detroit are just blowing out the Cavs right now. And, and Blake has actually played uh, a lot less minutes than he probably normally would. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on, on whether Griffin is good to go for the Pistons and also uh, keep an eye on whether Brooke uh, remains probable to play and comes back after missing the last two. But uh, I think you've got – well, you got a pizza, you got a calzone, you got something waiting there. You've, you've been talking to me instead of eating, which I, uh, I really appreciate. Yeah, no, I have a, I have a calzone. I just I got to my hotel in Detroit, and I haven't eaten much today. And I'm generally trying to be healthier. Um, I, I could have done worse than a calzone, uh, but the that's they had a menu at the hotel. I asked what was good, you know, what places nearby. They they told me the place, and I said okay. And and this was this was it. So I'll uh, I'll dig into that uh, whenever we're done. And I'm I'm sure if, if people want to ask tomorrow. After listening to the podcast, uh, how it was, I will let yeah. them know. Yeah, yeah, definitely get on to Matt for uh, for an update on the on the hotel calzone in in Detroit. And you have fun at the game tomorrow. Thanks for thanks for jumping on again with me for uh, up. I guess now I might I might uh, speak to you next time when I when I get there. Oh man, can't wait! It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun getting the band back together. It will. And actually, I will just say, Frank, we, we stopped recording yesterday and then Frank mentioned to me about when he was going to be coming back to Milwaukee um, so we can catch up and try and do something uh, together there. And he goes, oh, how long are you in Milwaukee for? A week or two, a couple of weeks? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping like, unless I get kicked out of the country, I'm, I'm hoping to stay right through the, through the playoff run. So I don't know whether I didn't make that clear, but yeah, I'll be around uh, for the rest of the season, hopefully, unless well- something goes wrong. Well, I won't report you to the feds, so... Yeah, please don't. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Someone might, though. I don't know. I mean, so there might be people that don't like me out there. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping I don't get kicked out of the country. But yeah, no, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we will leave it there for now. Matt will be back at some point during the season again. But for Matt Velasquez and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.